Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Pastor David with Calvary Gospel Assembly in Esterville, Iowa. Uh, before we get started, uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who are listening. Lord, I pray that they would have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, I pray everything that's spoken during this message would be your words and not mine, and your thoughts and not mine. Lord, I pray that it would have an impact on those who are listening, whether it be through Facebook or YouTube or if you're connecting in some other way. Lord, I pray that it would be impactful, that it wouldn't just last for a short time and they forget about it, but they would carry it with them throughout the week. Lord, we thank you that even in these tough times, you are with us. We feel your strength. We feel your comfort. We feel your peace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we get started into the word this morning, I do want to share just a few uh, developments that we've been working on here at Calvary Gospel Assembly. Specifically, I want to thank Austin Screepack uh, for helping us uh, do some really cool things as far as it concerns online giving. Uh, if you would like to give your tithe or offering and you haven't been able to send it into the church through the mail, uh, you can do it online. You can go to My Calvary Gospel. Uh, dot com, or it's my Calvary, yeah, it's mycalvarygospel.com, and you can click on the giving tab. There's also a link to it in our Facebook page, so you can click on uh, click on the giving tab, put in your information. There's some different fees and things associated with it, but all the instructions are there for you to to give and uh, remember that we're still doing ministry, we're still sustaining ministries throughout the world, and so uh, God bless you as you give. Uh, sacrificially, regularly, and cheerfully, right? Out of an abundant heart, out of the abundance of our heart, we give, right? And so we don't want to give uh, out of coercion or manipulation, but we want to give with joy. So uh, I pray that God would bless you as you give, as we continue to do ministry here at Calvary Gospel Assembly. Uh, many, many weeks ago now, we started a series called I Am. Uh, we are focusing on the seven I am statements of Jesus. So there's a few, a few times where actually seven times specifically that Jesus says, I am dot, dot, dot. Uh, the first thing that we covered was Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Uh, remember, we talked that all of these things are found in the book of John. And then two weeks, uh, well, it was quite more than two weeks ago now. Uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It was the second I am that we studied. And it was found in John chapter 8. Now, today, we're going to begin our third I am. And it's found in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And this is what it says. As he passed by, that's Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus again declares himself to be the light of the world. 
And he does so as he comes across a blind man. This man was known for his infirmity. We've spoken about this now a few weeks. Some people are just known by their sin. We talked about the woman who was caught in the act of, of, of adultery. We talked about Mary Magdalene last week. We, we, this, we, we talked about, um, oh, just a few weeks ago now, we talked about people who are just known only by their sin. The blind man is known only by his sickness. The blind man is known only by his infirmity. He's known as the blind guy. He's known as the blind man. And so the disciples, they run into him with Jesus, and, and immediately the disciples ask Jesus a stupid question. Why was this man blind? Uh, not so much the second part. The first part is really stupid. Was this man born blind because of his sin? It's a question that doesn't make any sense. How could he have sinned before he'd been born? How could it have been his sin that caused his blindness if he had been blind since birth? The second part makes a little bit more sense. Was it his parents' sin? Was this a generational sin or a generational curse? Did his parents' sin cause him to be blind? Now, I imagine them asking Jesus that question and kind of Jesus maybe gives them a funny look, right? Uh, and the thing is this. Jesus was gracious enough to not point out the stupidity of their question. Uh, I'm not always that gracious, but Jesus was that gracious. So Jesus uses their question to bring about a greater truth. He was born blind for this reason, that the works of God might be, might be displayed or manifest through him. He was born blind so the works of God might be displayed. I want you to think about that for a minute. This man was blind from birth. He had never seen the light of day. People assumed that it was because of some sort of familial sin curse. But Jesus tells us this man was born so that on the day that Jesus and his disciples are walking past him, that in walking past him, he would ask Jesus about his blindness. The, the, the disciples, they would ask Jesus about this man's blindness, and Jesus then could demonstrate that he is the light of the world. Think about that for just a second. Can you see and understand that, that there is a plan in place? There is a plan in place for this blind man. The blind man didn't know it at the time, but Jesus knew it. The, the blind man's parents, when he was born blind, they probably questioned, what did we do? Was it our fault? They didn't know that there was a plan and a purpose for it, but Jesus knew that there was a plan and a purpose. Listen, I love this. The man didn't go that day to start begging, expecting that he would receive healing. The man didn't, didn't start out his day going, yeah, I'm going to go to the wall and I'm going to beg and Jesus is going to come by and his disciples and I'm going to get my healing. He didn't go expecting a healing, but Jesus did. Jesus went expecting a healing. There was a plan in place. I'm sure this blind man many times must have thought, what can I do? Why am I blind? 
Jesus said there was a plan. The plan is that the power of God would be displayed, that the power of God would be made manifest. You might not understand what you're going through right now. Like the blind man, you're kind of questioning things. God, why is this happening to me? You might not understand why you're suffering. You might not understand your sickness right now. But I want to tell you this morning something, that Jesus understands where you are. Jesus understands where you're at. Jesus understands what what, what season you're in. Let me tell you something. There is a plan in place. And regardless of whether or not you received your healing in this world or in eternity, Jesus is the light of the world. There is an incredible peace in our lives that can take place when we simply put our trust and our faith in Jesus. There is a simple peace. Man, I, you know, I know there's a lot of things happening in this world right now that don't make a lot of sense. Lord, how could this be happening? How could so many people be losing their jobs and, and suffering? And how many people are worried about making their mortgage or their next bill? Lord, how are we going to Do what we have to do when it comes to our families. Lord, does anybody understand what I'm going through? Does anybody understand the suffering that we're going through? You might be in that place this morning, and I I want you to be encouraged this morning that Jesus Jesus knows. There's a plan in place. You say, Pastor David, what, what if there's no healing? What if there's no, what if it doesn't get better? The Bible says that our life is a vapor. It's here and it's gone. It's just a short time. When we think about our suffering in the light of eternity, it's nothing but a pinprick. It stings at the time, but pretty soon we get over it. We have eternity to look forward to. And in this life, know that Jesus understands where you're at. And for this blind man, there was healing that was about to come his way. We know the story. Most of us know the story. Jesus bends down in the ground. And I like this. He spits in it. <laughs> he spits in the ground. He takes, he takes the, the, the dirt and the spit in his hands and he makes a little mud patty. Now, uh, I would not encourage you to do this at home uh, simply because of the season that we're in. It wouldn't be the best idea. But this is what Jesus does. He spits in the ground. He takes the dirt and the spit and he makes a little mud patty and he takes it and he puts it on the eyes of the blind man. And then he gives him instructions. He goes, hey, listen. All right. Now go and wash at the pool of Siloam. Now, the pool of Siloam, and this is a pool whose water flowed out of what was called Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's uh, in Jerusalem. It's, it's an amazing place. This is pool that people would go into and they would wash themselves. And so this man stumbles his way towards the pool. As he stumbles his way towards the pool, he has these mud patties on his, on his eyes. And, and I imagine that as he takes a step into the water, he dips, his, he dips down to, to wash his eyes, to wash the mud out of his eyes. And when he does, there's a strange flash. Something that he never experienced before was happening to him. 
I imagine that as he pulled the water up to his face and the, and the mud began to wash away, the darkness of his blindness gave way to the brightness of the sun. He washes his eyes and he begins to understand that the impossible is now his reality. He looks around and he experiences color for the first time. He can see. I want you to understand this. He begins to understand that the impossible is now his reality. I like what one commentary says. It says this. This is the first time in biblical record that a person born blind was healed of their blindness. From Genesis to John, no prophet, priest, or preacher ever gave sight to eyes born blind. This man is clearly healed. Clearly healed. It's a miracle. And the, the people around him are his witnesses. These are his neighbors. These are people who know him as the blind man, right? They know his infirmity. And now, listen to this, they knew him by his sickness. And now they know him by his testimony. I believe there are people who are watching today who people might know you by your sickness or might know you by your suffering or might know you by your hardship, but pretty soon they're going to know you by your testimony. He goes to his neighbors. He, he says to his neighbors, they, they see him. Wait, isn't this the blind guy? He said, no, I can see. Listen, this is what Jesus did for me. This is this amazing thing. And so he tells them what happened. And what do they do? They take him to the religious leaders. They take him to the men known as the Pharisees. Listen, these guys, they, they suck the life out of everything. How many, if you're watching today, have you ever known somebody who's just like super strict and religious? Super strict and religious. Listen, they suck the life out of everything. Nothing is good. Nothing can be fun. Listen, in case you didn't know, it's interesting. Pharisee in the Hebrew, uh, it means this. This is what the word means. It means absolute jerk. <laughs> it means, listen, it doesn't actually mean that. Listen, Pharisees were these really strict religious dudes. And so they, they bring this miracle to them. The neighbors, the friends, the loved ones, they bring this blind man who is no longer blind now. They bring him to the Pharisees and he tells them what happened. He tells them what happened. And rather than rejoice in his healing, they get upset because Jesus did it on the Sabbath. Rather than rejoice in the healing, I want you to think about that for a minute. This man has been blind his whole life. His whole life he's been blind. They take him, the, the, the neighbors see that he's been healed. It's an amazing testimony. They take him to the religious leaders, these Pharisees, these jerks that just suck the life out of everything. And they take him and they say, man, this is amazing. This is a miracle. This is a testimony. And they say, yeah, yeah, but it was done on the Sabbath, right? And they say, well, yeah. And okay, well, now that's not cool. That's not cool. Talk about a bunch of Debbie Downers, right? I mean, they're just the worst people. So it's interesting. They, they, they take them to the Pharisees. They show them that they healed. The, the Pharisees, they act the way they do just because they're a bunch of jerks. Then they get, then, then the Pharisees do this. They get his parents involved and they question them about how this happened. 
And then, and then they bring the, the guy back in and they start to in- interrogate him. Interrogate him. How in the world did this happen? They just weren't getting it. They couldn't get it through their thick heads that, that Jesus had, had, had touched him and, and, and laid his hands on him and, and the mud patties and washing and, and all of a sudden he could see. They weren't getting it. Finally, the man says this. I keep telling you what happened, but you won't listen. There's some people in your life that when Jesus does something for you, when God does something for you, it's an amazing miracle. It might be something that God does that's just incredible. And when you tell them, they, they, they just won't get it. They just don't understand. He then tells them this. He says, listen, as they're talking about Jesus being, being from the devil, he says, listen, if Jesus wasn't from God, he never would have received his sight. This is, this is the blind man telling the Pharisees this. He says, listen, Jesus, if, if he wasn't from God, I never would have received my sight. Upon hearing this, the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that they took him and cast him out. Can you imagine? This blind man healed, tells his testimony. They don't believe it over and over and over. In fact, they question Jesus. They say that he's from the devil. He says, wait a minute. No, no, no. He can't be from the devil. Are you kidding me? Didn't you just hear what I told you? He's from God. And rather than rejoice with him, they kick him out. They excommunicate him. They forbid him from coming into the temple or the synagogue. They are done with him. Jesus hears about what they did to the man and he goes to find the man. When Jesus finds him, he, he asks him a question. And we see it in uh, John chapter 9, verse 35. He says this in verse 35, Jesus says, do you believe in the son of man? The blind man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not may see and those who see may become blind. He utters these words, and it just so happens that some of those religious leaders, some of those Pharisees, some of those jerks, they're listening. Verse 40 says this, some of the Pharisees heard him say these things and said to him, are we also blind? Verse 41, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see, your guilt remains. I like what this commentary says. It says, there's a great difference between the one who is blind and knows it and the one who simply shuts his eyes. To be so self-deceived as to shut one's eyes to the light is a desperate state to be in. The light is there. But if people refuse to avail themselves of it, but rather deliberately reject it, how can they be enlightened? As Jesus said, their sin remains. These men hear Jesus and, and they come at him with a challenge. Are you saying that we're blind? And Jesus points the sin of their unbelief directly back at them. In fact, the chapter ends there. But the conversation continues in chapter 10. 
Jesus speaks to the Pharisees in chapter 10 and says this in verse, verse 1. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the gate... <clears throat> To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Verse five, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus uses a... <laughs> a figure of speech here that's extremely simple, but full of truth. And they just don't get it. So Jesus breaks it down for them. He says this in verse seven. Listen to this carefully. Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Verse eight, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I know that if you're at home this morning, you want to say amen to that about having life and having it abundantly. We see here the next I am of Jesus. He says, I am the door. Another way to say it is I am the gate. Remember, he is speaking to the religious leaders. They are supposed to be leading the people toward God. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the door. He is referring to the people that these leaders are over. So the people are the sheep. The leaders are there supposed to be leading them towards God. But Jesus says, no, no, you are a bunch of thieves and robbers. Then he says this. Uh, this is interesting. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. And I like what this commentary says, because the Pharisees were blind leaders. They were bogus shepherds. Because they were blind leaders, they were bogus shepherds. Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. It's interesting. Jesus always spoke truth to power, especially corrupt power. He says, the sheep won't listen to you because they know you are frauds. All you do is steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give them life and to give it more abundantly. I want you to understand the context here. Jesus uh, a lot of times we take this uh, verse and apply it to Satan. Jesus isn't speaking about Satan specifically in this verse, but he's speaking to men who are being influenced by Satan. He's, he's speaking to men who are blind, false leaders. They are thieves and robbers. They will only lead the people towards destruction. And then just to make sure they know who he is, he says this, verse 11, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. In case you're keeping count, that is number four. I am the good shepherd. 
Next week, uh, we're going to have a special presentation of, uh, of maybe some uh, music and some uh, a message. Um, but the week after that, we're going to get back into this. I am the good shepherd. When Jesus says that, what does he mean? What does it mean to be a good shepherd? It's a question I have to ask myself all the time. What does it mean to be a good shepherd? Because Jesus isn't just declaring who he is. He's declaring what his mission is. We're going to get into that in just a few weeks. Thank you so much for staying with us, for uh, for listening through Facebook and YouTube. Hey, listen, this next week, I pray that you are blessed. I know that a, a lot of uh, families have received some tough news this week in that the schools aren't going to open uh, again until the fall, uh, that the school year is, is over for pretty much everybody in Iowa um, and likely a lot of uh, kids around the United States. And so during this time, um, I know that there's a lot of you who are missing out on sports and school and all the things that might come along with that. But uh, we want you to be encouraged. We want you to know that we love you, that we're praying for you, that we pray that, uh, man, even as the sun, sun comes out, the weather gets better, that you can go outside and have some fun, uh, be safe about it. Of course, we want to be uh, obey what the, the government is directing us to do right now, just to keep people safe. Um, and then also, with that said, uh, please be uh, remember to be praying for our leaders, be praying for our governor, be praying for our president, be praying for our mayor, uh, for the city council, for all those who have to make some really tough decisions, and uh, be, be praying for our superintendent, uh, Tara Paul. Um, I know that these are, are people that love our students, that love the people of this country, love the people of, the, of our city, and love the people of our state. And so uh, please be in prayer for them as they do the very best they can to help guide us through this really difficult time. With that said, let's end in prayer. Lord, I thank you again and again and again that we have an opportunity to minister to those who are uh, not with us today. Lord, they're not here in person, but they're here, they're watching over YouTube or maybe with their families right now, they're sitting down with their loved ones and, and listening to this message. Lord, I pray that it would be an encouragement for them, that they would know that even if they're going through suffering or, or heartache or tragedy right now, that Lord, you are with them, that you have your eye upon them. Lord, I pray that, you would, that, that, that even where they're at right now, that they would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened and comforted in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you and praise you for those who are, who are listening. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. Lord, thank you uh, this week for blessing me. Lord, I ask that you would continue to bless us as we move forward together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Uh, remember next week we're going to have uh, a little bit different, uh, something a little bit different. I hope you tune in for that. It'll be exciting and really good to see. I think you guys will really enjoy it. God bless you guys. We love you. Goodbye.